What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Turn me on, lovers. Bridie here, all by my lonesome. Um, our beloved Jeremy Saunders is a little under the weather these last couple of days, non-COVID related. And uh, as such, it's just me introing this week's episode. Um, I don't know how I'm going to fill up all the empty talking space. So I'm just going to throw it to the episode. This is an episode that uh, we recorded back in early December. I think it could have even been November. I don't know. We've been sitting on it for a bit. And it's a conversation I knew we were going to have for weeks before. You heard me talk about how excited I was for this guest. Um, This week's guest is Jake Ernst. Uh, He lives in Toronto, Ontario and is a therapist, a writer, he's got a podcast, and he works a lot with youth and trauma. And this was a conversation, again, like I said, I was so excited to have ahead of time. Um, 
I've already listened back to this episode myself a couple of times to remind myself of some of the real gems that Jake has to offer. So enjoy today's episode. It's been an incredibly um, transformative conversation for both Jeremy and I, and I know it will be for you too. Thanks so much for listening. See you on the other side. Sweet. Well, this would be really fun. Um, uh, I I don't, you know, Bridie Bridie drives this bus. Uh, this bus being turn me on podcast. I'm just a passenger who is talks along a lot for the who's, yeah who's <laughs> along for the ride. A very chatty chatty passenger. Good. And um, oftentimes coming into these conversations, I I don't have much. Um, I don't have much like previous knowledge as to who we're talking to. But Bridie gave me like a really really brief kind of rundown before you popped on here, Jake. Yeah. And uh, I'm really excited because uh, I know that you are someone who knows a thing or two about people living with trauma. And um, this is something that I've been dying to kind of dive into uh, over the last, I don't know, like couple of months, um, uh, specifically how trauma um, affects our interpersonal relationships, our romantic relationships. And, and on top of that, the things that people who are the partners of someone who's dealing with trauma can, the things that they can do to be like a really good support system. So if anything of what I just said there is like, not your jam, feel free at any point to step in and go, Hey, not my wheelhouse. But, but if I gathered correctly, I think that's kind of the, the, the train that we're, we're hopping onto here. Uh, Jake, why don't you take a second to introduce yourself to our guests, but also, uh, give us a little bit of, uh, background into who it is that, that, uh, you are. Yeah, of course. Wow. I, I feel like I'm the conductor of that train. <laughs> I feel like if you you know exactly um, uh, who I am just sort of by those statements. But um, yeah, my name is Jake Ernst and I'm a therapist and I live in uh, Toronto. And that's primarily where I work out of. Um, although I do practice all over Ontario because now uh, we are working virtually. Um, so um, it's pretty an interesting uh, kind of uh, transition into the online uh, psychotherapy sphere. But um, and so in terms of, you know, my ability uh, to, to support folks who've experienced trauma, that has certainly impacted it. But uh, for the most part, I would say that I um, work with young people ages 12 to about 25 um, and then uh, families. And so a lot of my work is supporting people who uh, have experienced exactly what you described, Jeremy, um, people who have experienced complex trauma um, or more specifically relational trauma. Um, and developmental trauma. So trauma that happens in the stages of development or a trauma that happens in relationships with other people. Um, and so, of course, that occurs across all ages. Um, and it's not just unique to um, intimate partners, but people like friends, uh, important figures in your life, um, parents, um, or just with yourself and something else in the world. So I, I capture relational trauma um, in terms of a definition as pretty broad. Um, but that's the gist of it. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Brad. 
Well, my first question, if I may, is just, can we have a working definition of what is tra- what's considered traumatic? Because I feel like it's a bit of a buzzword. Um, but also, like, I feel any so many, like, I know so few people that could say with honesty that they've never had an experience where they didn't feel traumatized. So, oh yeah. And, and <laughs> listen, I, I feel like this is a very hot topic and, you know, you say it's a buzzword and that's because it's, um, largely overused, um, overused to the sense that people think that, you know, I had a, a feeling or a hurt feeling and people automatically code that or think that that's trauma, um, or automatically say, oh, that traumatized me. Um, and so, you know, there are many different def- definitions of trauma, but the one that I usually work from is it, trauma is anything that is too much, too fast, too soon, um, or more relationally speaking, anything that um, didn't happen enough. Um, and so that could be like not enough love, not enough care, not enough attention. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so it's anything kind of on both ends of the spectrum, anything that didn't happen, not enough, but then also what things that happened too much. Wow. Okay. Um, and then the developmental period that you referenced, is that like the traditional ages one to four that we all think of like our, our foundation of formation? Yeah. We, so we have our, uh, our chronological age and then we have our developmental stage and those often get completed and get mixed up, but your chronological age is like the number of years you've been on this earth. And then your developmental stage is like your, what you're talking about, your actual developmental milestones. And so sometimes that can be traumatic for people um, growing up, getting older, um, developing as a mm-hmm. person and a human uh, can also be traumatizing. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think that uh, if we're kind of were to speak in very plain terms, trauma is anything that overwhelms your ability to cope in the moment. Um, and so it often gets um, misnamed in that like people think it's an event and people think it's a set of events. Uh, but actually, trauma is our response to those events. Um, so mm-hmm. as an example... Uh, we could be in the exact same car accident, but we may not both experience it or respond to it um, as traumatic. So that is so cool. So why would you know if Jeremy and I were in the same car accident and um, I I was the one who couldn't cope afterwards and and he was fine? I mean, like not who's right and who's wrong, but like why are our experiences so different? Mm. Wow. Our experiences are so different because our experiences in the world are so different, right? Like if you think about just maybe that one example, but it may be broadened it out to maybe a relationship, we could be in the same relationship and at the very end of it or whatever rupture caused it to end, uh, we could come out of it thinking, oh, that was a, a traumatic relational experience for me, whereas the other person may not. And so it's not to say that one person is right and one person is wrong. It's actually that like our, all of our nervous systems are right for us. Right. And so in terms of that, like um, somatic narrative, let's call it, um, it's our nervous systems respond relationally based on our our prior experiences. Um, And so when we think about the word somatic, um, somatic means mind plus body. So like, uh, for example, some people may just have like mind specific traumatic or trauma uh, coded to it, whereas some people also it codes within their body or within their soma. Um, So um, somatics is, is the study of um, the mind and the body as it relates to what we're talking about. Mm. Wow. Somatic narrative. That's the first time I've heard that, that term before. Mm. Um, uh, mm. yeah, this is, man, this is, uh, this is all super fascinating stuff. And, and, and 
it totally like I I totally when you when you mentioned how two people can come out of a relationship and both feel completely different about how that relationship left them, I I totally I totally get that. Yeah. Um and I think that's something that that probably happens more often than not, you know, when when people in retrospect looking back at at relationships, the ways that people kind of react towards that time that was spent or that time that was shared. Um, go for it, Brad. Sometimes an event, you know, breakup or a car accident or something else happens and, and we feel like we're unable to cope for a bit and then time passes and we're okay. Um, you know, like a hard breakup or, or, or something. And, and if it goes away on its own, is it not, trauma is it not coded as trauma uh you folks are asking all the right questions like this is (laughs) such a like what a great conversation i feel so there is a major difference between stress and trauma and so uh let's say for example um uh and actually maybe what i'll just say is that the major difference is that chronic stress is trauma right so repeated exposure to stress it -hmm. creates trauma so uh, again we could come out of the same relationship and maybe like we're experiencing stress because of it Right. Or we could be at work in a difficult like dynamic and we could be stressed by that situation. But if it's happening on a repeated or chronic basis, then that is what actually codes into our nervous system as trauma. Um, and so the somatic release of that energy is is trauma therapy. Right. So the, the, the traumatic um, release um, or sorry, the traumatic retention, which is the holding of that trauma, is the work that we're trying to release. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, as, as, as a, you know, clinical social worker and, and a therapist, yeah. how do you, and I, I, this is kind of veering away from our podcast and going into something a little bit different, but I, but I, but I'm, I can't not ask this, like, how do you, how are you viewing what, like, we are, what we are all currently going through this, like, this. Because I'm imagining that, like, okay, we're all going through this giant fucking stressor, which is COVID, and there's going to be when when it's all said and done with, when the dust settles, there's going to be the people that that come out of it and go, yeah, that was a, that was a really weird time, but like I'm okay, I can move on and go on with their lives. And then there's going to be this other swath of the population that are like left feeling. I mean, I, I can't, I can't even like, I can't even articulate what, 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 what is like what we are walking into in terms of like a, in terms of like a collective trauma and in terms of a, a collective, you know, uh, collectively, like how many people are going to come out on the other end of this not okay, or, or at least nowhere near as okay as they were before coming into it. Totally. I, I can totally confirm actually. And that, that would be the term that I would use to describe what's going on. It's a collective trauma. Absolutely. Um, but you did bring up another really important word that I think is important to, to touch on, which is stressor, right? So mm-hmm. the difference between a stressor and a, and a stress, those are two different things, right? So the okay. stressor is like the event. It's the thing that, that triggers a stress response, right? Or, or triggers our stress cycle. Um, and so what we're actually talking about is how we handle the stress, not how we respond to the stressor, right? So that's what we're, that's how it's different. And that's how everyone can respond differently. 
is that the stressors may be the same, but the way that we hold or release that stress is different. Mm. I've, I, I, you dropped, we, we talked, I've heard the term somatic, like cycle around in the beginning of this conversation already so early. And I, I do want to like dive into what like that process is. Um, but like before we go over there, um, I really want to know about like, I I really want to know, like, like if I get into a new relationship, let's say with someone who, uh, has had some traumatic event in their history, whether it be with a romantic partner or a parent or, or anything that might come up in our romantic relationship. Um, like what, what, what is that process of getting to know someone in that way and how to uh, adapt, um, your own behavior so that you're considerate and not triggering while also needing to have like healthy boundaries and healthy conversations. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Again, another great question. And the way that I, I sort of uh, add language uh, to that dynamic or that experience is through the language of rupture and repair. Uh, rupture uh, in a relationship is any kind of conflict or any kind of um system that kind of brings us or, or causes us to come apart and repair is of course the rejoining of that and so for every rupture i usually say there needs to be an intentional practice of repair or five repeated times where you can actually repair um the rupture that took place a so rupture could be anything like a huge trauma or it could just be like a disagreement um and so i think really what you're uh, talking about and asking is like to what degree uh does repair have to um be robust enough to actually um add value or to repair that rupture that took place, um, which is really hard. That's a really hard to get right um, uh, because we all have very different relational scripts. We all have very different like scripts for being in a relationship um, because it looks so different for each of us growing up. Turn Me On Podcast will be back after this short break. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, no kidding. Which is another question, you know, like what about, I mean, maybe this is a different realm completely, but like inter, inter, like inherited trauma. Like if, Mm. if, you know, even if I got, I mean, how do I know looking back at myself as a, you know, four to six year old, when a lot of my family dynamics were changing, how do I look at that and go, was that traumatic? Is that Mm. influencing like me now? Cause I, think like I think I'm okay I'm not really interested in like you know digging in deeply and and finding out that I have like unresolved issues with my you know my folks or what happened to me because I've theorized a lot about that in my own personal time and and what I want is to just be not held up by what that that how that may have stunted me and just like because I can rationally understand that they were adults doing the best they could humans, whatever. And I turn and like, I was pretty safe. I was pretty good. So, you know, like, but my parents were not, they yeah, were not you, safe, you know? Right. Like, and that's, that's, that's the challenge. I, well, <laughs> well, that's the challenge I think, right. Is that like, as a social species, we have this really innate desire to be connected to one another, uh, which leaves us so vulnerable and so like, unfortunately prone to being affected by disconnection, right? And being disconnect, like really disconnected through some like really seemingly difficult circumstances. Um, and so what I wanna offer here is that, yeah, like our, our early life experiences can absolutely be traumatic, but they can also be incredibly reparative too, right? And uh, resilience building and like strength giving. 
Um, and so that that's the, I think the balance also too that you're that you're naming right is that like to what extent was it the hard parts or the harmful parts that made me who I am, or am I just a collection of like the good parts, the bad parts, the hard parts, the sad parts, the the easy parts, the exciting parts, all those types of things, right? And of course that that answer is just different for everybody. Right. Um, it's hard it's hard to get right, and it's hard to kind of give you an answer that says like yeah this is what made you who you are, and this is like it was this event or these things that kind of, but the reality is that we're all just a puzzle. Um, you know, is it sort of true that we like, we kind of create similar dynamics in our romantic relationships that are modeled after mo- like the models of relating that we had when we were kids? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, of course. But like, and it's he not laughs. for like, well, it's not, well, it's not for some like complex, like psychological reason, right? It's actually just because like, we repeat what we know, right? Like we actually crave what's familiar. And we, we do things that, um, you know, that we know really well. And unfortunately, that also happens with like the, the, let's say the negative parts about us, or like the, the more unloving parts about us, right? It, it all comes with us, right? I love that. I'm writing that down. <laughs> and again, um, not, not for any like complex psychological reason. I think it's actually just because like we are the sum of all of our parts and our mm. like our entire past comes with us. So it makes sense why it would. I, I wrote that down. It all comes with us. And this morning in my meditation, I was being guided by um, my friend and teacher and brother-in-law, uh, Ted Grant. And he um, he was talking about like this bag of like stuff we're carrying and then we go into meditation or we go into yoga practice or any sort of maybe some somatic um, release work and we get to take some of those things out of the bag um, Mm. and like examine them sometimes and maybe we're not ready to let go of them or whatever but like just to be with them in a in a safe space so maybe this is a good opportunity to to ask you what uh, somatic just as a word has been showing up everywhere online in my bubble, um, over the last few months. And I, I don't know what it is. And yet I know I've done this work before. So can you explain? Yeah. Uh, So like somatic really is just about like body based work. Um, and I use body as an inclusive term uh, to include the brain because it's a part of our body. Um, but really it's a separation of like, like the mind and then also, um, the body as it comes together. Um, so it's like the pairing, um, and the reason why it's really hot right now, really sexy or really trendy, uh, is because it, it really is expanding our understanding of mental health in a very unique way. Um, that doesn't just include like wellness from the neck up. It actually expands, like actually we carry our stress in our body and our emotions mm-hmm. actually live out in our body. Um, and so, uh, really somatic work is about acknowledging that really essential part of our wellness, which is that. Uh, we carry our stress, not just in our brain and not just in our thoughts, but actually in our body, like physically and physiologically. Can you give examples of what that looks like? Like, Bridie, do you mean specifically like somatic, what somatic work looks like or what carrying that stress in the body looks like? Well, both. Yeah. I would love to know, like for people, you know, we have a lot of people who listen to this show who are you know, they might be involved in some of the same things that Jeremy and I have been involved in, like yoga and meditation, acting. We've guaranteed once we hear more from you about what the somatic work can look like, um, like when you apply it um, 
physically guaranteed we've done that in our acting classes and Mm -hmm. also like um uh, you know we've got people who are coming to us from their own you know uh, practices a lot of therapists and whatnot um but we also have a lot of young folks who are listening from small places all over the world who are really just starting to ask themselves questions for the first time about like what this experience is that they're having in their body. So yeah, what, when you say it, it can live out in the body, maybe you could give us some examples of like patterns that people might be seeing in their own bodies or life that, that could be pointing at, Hey, there's some, some stuff there to work through. Yeah. And I think um, probably more impactful than it will be for me to tell you, why don't we just experience it together? Um, because there's a big difference, right, between me telling you cognitively so you understand what I'm talking about and you mm-hmm. actually feeling it, right? So maybe if you're listening right now, and of course this includes you both, tune into your jaw right now and, and try to figure out like where your tension is storing. Are you clenching your jaw? Is it loose? Is it tight? Um, maybe if you move down to the neck, you can maybe feel like a tightness in your throat or maybe it's more loose. Maybe if you also move a bit further down and we're doing just a body scan here, so you're going right into your shoulders. Does it feel like collapse? Does it feel open? Um, Moving down into your heart, is it beating fast? Is it beating slow? Tuning into like the tension of your chest. Are your muscles really tight? Are they loose? I know I'm going fast here, but really um, I, I hope that I'm drawing a clear picture of of what somatic work can be and what it is, right? So I'm Mm. hopefully cueing you into what it feels like, not just telling you this is how it is, right? Or Mm. these are some examples, right? Because there's a really fundamental difference there that once we're able to feel it, we can start to heal it. And once we can feel it, we can release it. Is this, uh, so I've been uh, seeing a therapist for for a little while and, um. I I had went through a, a a breakup not too long ago, and I was feeling a lot of like a lot of anger around that around that uh, experience, and and you know around the same time, like my dog was dying, and like all you know, and COVID's going on, and all all this shit, and uh, my therapist brought me through this exercise where we, you know, like this visualization where where I envisioned what the feeling of anger was in me and like and you know he he like had me take it out of my body and like and and imagine what it looked like and the shape of it and you know it is it hot is it cold what is it moving what does it do and then and and then like putting it back in my body but creating a space for it to hold it in there yada yada whatever is that like, would that be a, would that be a, uh, I'm like, I'm now taking you through my, <laughs> no, my last, I, I, the no, notes no. of my last fucking like just shrink appointment. Um, <laughs> no, listen, actually my favorite part about this is that, yeah, yeah, whatever, because, because I think that's such a human response to talking about emotions or it is like, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Like it's yeah. just so, <laughs> yeah, I can feel I it. I, 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 I can feel it coming up again. I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to stuff that down. Um, uh, yeah. is that, yeah, is, totally. is that an example of like somatic work? Yes. That that one okay right yeah and yeah and and it, you know it's funny Brady like you you did equate it to like some of the work that we've done in theater school or or even you know even to to, to speak to like our 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 teacher training as yoga teachers like it is very that physical work it does 
it does have this um <clears throat> this very this this very tricky way of uh, or sneaky way of like unearthing a lot of deep seated past emotion or you know or, or what have you and um and it's so fascinating to see how it works and how it how it how it manifests when you're like in when you're in that that type of work um um is for someone you know for somebody who's out there who who doesn't who doesn't have a therapist doesn't speak to a therapist who maybe identifies as someone who's never really had too much um past tra- like traumatic issues or anything like that yet someone who lives a very uh, uh, uh maybe a very like um uh what's the word i'm looking for like static lifestyle like like someone who's not who doesn't typically like move their body very much. Mm. Um, do you like, what kind of, can you speak to like the kind of benefits that someone might find? Not, not enough from a physical standpoint, not from like, Oh, move your body. It's good. It's good for your health. <laughs> but I mean, like, I mean like moving your body for like, for the, for the sake of your mental health and like what that can do for one's self. I, and the reason I bring that up is because especially right now, there's probably a fucking fair amount of people listening to this where they they're just stuck in their goddamn homes. And like they they even though they weren't moving very much before COVID, they definitely aren't now. And and perhaps like going through again, this collective this collective stressor um, is there is there, you know, what kind of work could they could that person maybe decide to take up to to sort of move these things around and, and, and find some sort of shift. Oh baby. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean like being stuck in our homes, like that sucks, but like, let's name the real problem, which is being stuck in your body while mm. stuck in your home. Right? right. And so a lot of the work that people can really do is uh, something called embodiment work. And this mm. is a really important element of somatic work, but then also of trauma therapy. What mm. in trauma therapy, what we are trying to do is to allow someone to re-experience their body again. Oftentimes, trauma disconnects us from all of those things. It disconnects us from social, it disconnects us from our body, it disconnects us mm. from like like any sort of rationality in some cases. Um, and what we're trying to do is to reconnect. And so uh, a lot of the work that uh, I do a lot of actually is helping people reconnect with their body. Um, and so like you said, not for like the... Um, like the health benefits of moving, like I do a lot of movement based work for the benefits of actually getting people access to feeling again. Um, Many people who I work with do report like feeling numb, feeling dissociated, feeling disconnected. Um, And so a lot of the work is getting people connected again. Um, And some really important elements of um, historically, like from the beginning of time when people have been like releasing um, trauma from, from themselves. Um, when we kind of trace it back, they're, they're doing a lot of really uh, cool work actually just around like storytelling for trauma release, um, uh, movement for trauma release, um, like singing and like chanting and like um, uh, a lot of like really cool like um, voice kind of work and then also mm. breath work for trauma release. And then like you said, moving, movement. Um, so those are, I would say are like the four categories of, of trauma therapy which mm. um, really helps people get into their body. That's really the, 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 the core of it. 
Did I answer your question? I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. I just started talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Too, it seems almost too simple. It's almost like, you mean there's no like tool that I can go out there and like buy and apply or like, you know, like some book I can read and be fine. It's like, I just, all I need is this, what I have. All I need to do is a jumping jack. <laughs> like, like, listen. So I, I think, <laughs> I think that like, for me as a trauma therapist, I sometimes view myself as a magician because like the, the magic, <laughs> the magic in it is like mm. helping people like actually embody that knowing and not just like through like an intellectual sense. Right. So like mm. you said, it makes sense to our brain, but like, it's so much harder to apply, which right. I think is magic. Cause like, it's not easy to do that. So like, I think trauma therapy is magic, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> I would imagine that it must get harder with the older demographic that you work with and must be sort of easier with the younger demographic because they can flex those imagination muscles a little better. Yeah. You're completely naming the reason why I work with young people. <laughs> yeah. Right? I find, I find uh, young people are so much more accessible and, and um, I find uh, that young people really have a quest for that kind of learning. Like I, um, and, it, and again, I don't say that to be ageist or like to make an assumption about older people, but I mean, like, I just think that like, there's such, like you said, an imagination and such like a, a quest for knowledge and learning. And there's like a moldability, adaptability there that I just mm. love. I, and so for me, it reminds me of me, like me as a young person. And that's partially why I like working with young people is that it kind of brings me back to that, like childhood, like innocence and that like play element that is so like healing. And I just love mm. that. So tapping into that is a lot of the work that I do too, uh, across all. Uh, I, uh, this might be uh, well. Let's let's see where this goes. I I'm I'm curious to know your <laughs> thoughts on like fr from more of like a a supportive role perspective, uh, or like the the role of the the role of the 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 caretaker or the supporter. Um, you know, so like for an example, let's say somebody is getting into a. Um, a relationship with someone and you know, this person um, isn't aware that this, this person that they're, they're dating is coming from a background of, of um, you know, PTSD or, or CPTSD or something. Um, and, and then through dating, it starts to become uh, they start to become a little bit more aware of like, Oh, there's some, like there's some past trauma here and, this is very new for me. I've never, I've never actually like been in a relationship with someone before who's, ex who's, who's had a history of, of complex PTSD or, or, or something. Um, what kind of, what kinds of tips or, or suggestions would you have for someone who finds themselves in that type of scenario where they're, they're, they're stumbling into a relationship where very quickly they start to realize that their new partner is, is coming from a place of pretty deep seated trauma. And yet they don't feel like they maybe have the tools to, to be there to support even though they want to, you know? Oh, wow. Jeez. These are such great questions. The, um, the, uh, the, I would say there are two main tips that I, that I would suggest. The first is, the corrective experience, which I'll talk about in just a sec. And then there's also, um, 
bids for connection is what I'll call it. Um, mm. So those are, these are two really key relational skills, I think, that are that often go out the window when someone um, who's experienced trauma is a part of a relationship. Um, and of course, that is uh, impacted by our previous relationships. But really, the, the corrective experience um, is something that can really help repair trauma in like an inner relationship. Um, and we're specifically talking about like a corrective emotional experience. One um, emotional or not just one, sorry, but like an emotional experience that's going to repair um, some of the past hurt. Um, and so that happens over time, unfortunately. It's not as fast mm. as we'd like it to be. But um, and then and then, of course, uh, bids for connection. So oftentimes something that creates rupture in a relationship is missing opportunities or bids for connection. So an example might be like um, your partner had a really stressful day and they like come home and they let, her, let out a big sigh. And then oftentimes we miss that bid for connection and instead we ignore it or instead we look past it. Um, and so responding to bids for connection is a really important skill that uh, people can use in relationships. And the hard part is being able to spot the bids for connection. Right. Yeah. I suppose that, I mean, yeah, yeah. I suppose that trying, learning to spot them, I mean, I guess like it, it comes from, from, again over time developing that the communication skills to real like to to talk to that partner about you know the ways that they they uh that they offer up these bids for connection in, in a way is that totally yeah i mean like really what we're talking about is like what do what do emotions look like in a relationship mm -hmm. right and for some people it's like i'm gonna get really angry because you never do the dishes or all of this stuff is going to compound over time and then I'm just going to yell, explode at you. So right, mm -hmm. it could look like anger or it could look like, okay, well, you don't understand my needs, so I'm going to shut down or I'm going to mm -hmm. withdraw. And so a lot of that is like dependent on our relational scripts from when we have grown up, right? Mm -hmm. And so what did all of that rupture and repair look like in our families? And when we didn't have that rupture and repair um, process in place, um, that can really affect us. So it's not to say that like, the presence of rupture is actually a bad thing. What we're actually right. talk, talking about is that it really actually depends on the level of repair that is in place. Mm. That it determines yeah. our ability to work through that, right? Right. Yeah. It, it just, it makes me, it makes me think about how, how, uh, it just makes me think about how, how tough it must be for some people who are coming from a place of PTSD or, or something, you know, something similar and at like, and finding themselves in the dating world, you know, and, and whether, you know, the, these sorts of like triggers come up early in the relationship. Um, and just thinking about how hard that must be for, especially if the person who's on the other end of it has no, like, they just, they just go, well, I guess that person's fucking crazy. Like, like yeah. on to the next, you yeah. know, like just yeah. how, how tough it must be in <clears throat> to find yourself in a, in a, you know, in the, in like the dating pool when you're, when you're struggling with so much past, past trauma. Yeah. And the hard part is that a lot of people think that trauma is the rupture, but actually trauma can actually be the absence of like not having enough repair too. Right. Right. right? So yeah. um, it's not just like the event or the stressor, which might be a rupture, but it's actually sometimes our response to that event. So the actual mm. um, repair and so the absence of repair absolutely can be traumatic for folks. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, which right? uh, yeah, and and potentially this like this vicious cycle that just continues and continues and continues and exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about like one like a one off fight here, right? We're not no. talking about like one disagreement or like oh I don't really like how you do the dishes, right? Like mm-hmm. or I don't really like what you don't you know what you buy from the grocery store. We're talking about like repeated and chronic exposure to these really hard things, mm-hmm. um, like harm, abuse, like that type of thing. Right. Right. Um, I love that you brought up bids for connection. We were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago on the show. And, uh, I couldn't remember where I I had encountered that phrase, but I was like, oh my God, this explains so much of my frustration in, um, relationship, uh, you know, whether it's with Jeremy or my other partner or, you know, but mostly I, 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 I can really feel that. I can really feel like that coming home and sighing. What do you say? And having my partner not, I'm like, I'm not sighing for me. I mean, I am because it's so good for like your health. But, uh, but you know, it's like that. Please ask me how I'm doing. You know what, babe? I gotta say, I have to say, uh, in you saying that right there, if I ever sigh ever and you're in earshot, every, every fucking single time (laughs) you, you chime in and go, Hey, what's wrong? Every single time. And I, and every, and nine times out of 10, I'm always like, huh? Oh no, I'm just, uh, I don't know. I was just tired. Just breathing. Like, yeah, I'm just breathing. Yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to, <laughs> just trying to get in enough oxygen. Yeah. I don't know what. I'm just but living it, my but, complicated life. <laughs> yeah. But this, uh, this explains a lot now. I see. So anytime oh, I hear you sigh, I'm going to. Just existence. <laughs> yeah. But um, listen, <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's actually not about the response, right? It actually has more to do with the, the check-in, right? And the actual, mm-hmm. like, Mm-hmm. Hey, I care about you, regardless of what your answer is. Mm-hmm. It's like, I care about what your answer is, or I care mm-hmm. to check in, or I care yeah. to notice. Right. So that's mm-hmm. the hard part is that people miss it. Yeah. And so they easily go on un- unchecked, un- you know? Well, mm-hmm. I love that so much of what you've said today is about, uh, is relatable to me. And in terms of like, it's mindfulness. If you have a pres, if you have a practice, whether it be, for your nervous system um, or your body or your mind that has to do with just like being present for even a fleeting few seconds a day, Mm -hmm. then you'll be way better tuned to pick up those sort of signals that are coming and to sense how your partner is doing and, and, and things like that. But um, so I'm really appreciative for that. I have a, I have a question that I almost forgot to, that I wanted to ask you. So I'm going to do it now before I forget. And it's about roots to safety. Yeah. Um, okay. So I found you on the internet because I, of a, of a headline that said, move over love languages. Have you heard about roots to safety? And I was like, well, I have to read this because love <laughs> like, languages. <laughs> yeah. Pardon? Uh, exactly. So, um, could you give us a little breakdown of what that's all about? Yeah, I sure can. The, so the, the the love languages, for people that aren't familiar, are essentially like relational scripts um, and, and ways that we give and receive love in relationships. And I um, I sought out to complicate that a bit further because I do, actually don't think a lot of it, um, uh, at least in my experience with the, the people that I work with, a lot of it doesn't usually have to do with love. It actually has a lot to do with safety. Um, and has a lot to do with the trauma that we've experienced, or at least the emotional scripts that we bring into a relationship. Um, and so love, I look at, look 
at as an outcome, um, whereas I think safety is a prerequisite. And uh, part of uh, what I, a question that I was constantly asking, was like, okay, so if I'm noticing this thing with my clients and like, how do we get there? And so part of um, what I figured out was, um, and just through my work with clients, I figured out that actually um, how safe we feel determines how well we feel in this world. And uh, so when I kind of look at like um, safety and not just like physical safety, like whether or not I'm safe from like a, a present danger, um, but like emotional safety, meaning like, am I loved? Am I cared for? Do I feel like I matter? Uh, do I feel um, like my emotional needs are met? Um, and so uh, what I actually uh, know just through my own work is that safety is actually trauma therapy. So like establishing a sense of safety, that's how we can repair trauma. And so when you kind of extrapolate that and expand it out, well, actually, safety um, is a love language. Safety actually is a way that uh, I, that people can understand themselves in relationships. And so, when we dig, dug, when I dug into that further, I actually found out there are many different ways that people can restore that sense of safety or experience safety in the world. And so, the roots of safety goes through the eight different ways that people feel safe in the world. Um, and as it turns out, um, through a very viral um, article on Healthline, <laughs> um, it resonates for people. <laughs> people, uh, people are like, oh, yeah, that is true. So I, I look at it as like the trauma-informed love languages. It's the love languages like for trauma, um, which I think I would argue as humans, I think that we've all uh, encountered some level of trauma in our life. So mm -hmm. I, think that's why it, I think that's why it hits so different for people. <laughs> Can you give us a, if it's possible, like the list of the eight? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's see how well my memory can serve me in this moment. Um, so <laughs> I'm uh, pull up the article. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say, so the number one uh, root, roots of safety, root of safety that people use and rely on is something that I call inner guidance. Inner guidance um, is the traditional kind of like wellness model of like, um, like helping people feel safe um, and resourced. Um, and so uh, you'll see a lot of therapists using inner guidance as a tool for helping restore safety. You'll see like a lot of parents using it um, uh, uh, and a lot of teachers kind of applying it to students. And uh, so really what it, inner guidance is about like uh, the individual. So how can an individual feel more safe themselves? Um, but the roots of safety uh, acknowledge that it, not all of them are, are resourced um, within the self. Um, it actually that like because we're a relational species, um, we need other people in order to feel safe. So that's why some of the other roots of safety mm. talk about relationships. So one of them is one of the other roots of safety is quality relationships um, in our life that help us feel safe. Um, two more um, that I'll just kind of explain. Um, and these ones are kind of um, uh, uh, opposites of one another. One of them is private retreat. So feeling safe um, by being alone and being like being able to kind of recharge like um, and feel more safe when we're alone. And then, um, uh, uh, oh geez, what was the language that I used? The other one is essentially the opposite of that, is that I, I, I get my safety from being around other people. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's also um, another one is sensory experiences. So using our senses to gain that sense of safety. And so that's another uh, inner route that we take in order to feel safe. And then um, I think the last ones are about common humanity and protective measures. I think I nailed them all, I don't know. Well, anyway, so there, who's there's counting? who's counting. I think I maybe got eight out of nine. But um, uh, anyway, yeah, so there are many different ways that we feel safe. And that's really the, the mm. basis of roots of safety. I have a question about the private retreat one, because I think that was the one that grabbed me right off and was like, oh, mm. 
does that explain why in conflict I need to go for a walk before solving the problem? Yes, exactly. Um, It also explains like why people, yeah, it also explains (laughs) like why people like hide under their covers when they feel scared in the dark. Um, It also explains like why people prefer like really small spaces. Um, Yeah. Um, To retreat and to get away is absolutely a way that people access safety. That's really, really cool. I'm glad I found that article and that so many other people. I didn't realize it was viral. I'm so I'm glad. I thought I was the only one. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you guys have you guys ever, ever heard of the Beatles? They're amazing. The Beatles? Uh, yeah, I just stumbled across this really no. wicked new band called the Beatles. And, uh, and Bride, uh, we'll we'll make sure that we uh, for those of you who've been living under a rock and haven't seen that article, we will include that in the show notes. Um, uh, Jake, this has been uh, a real pleasure and a real treat to chat with you and to uh, to he- be able to pick your brain for even just a moment uh, in in these really weird times that we find ourselves living in. Um, I know that you uh, you have a new podcast, correct? Is this uh, I, I do? Yeah, do you want to plug, plug that? Let us know uh, where can people find you? Where can people listen to you? Wow. Um, so I make a joke on the podcast um, that at the end of every episode, I say, like my co-host Simon, he'll say, Jake, like, where can people find you? And my response, sorry, it made me think of it. My response mm-hmm. is often something silly and stupid, like, I don't know, at the buffet stand or like, at, <laughs> like in the line of the grocery store. I don't know. Um, people can yeah. find me um, <laughs> on social media at MSW Jake, um, or you can listen to my podcast, which is called This Isn't Therapy, where we talk about all the things that come up in therapy, um, but we're kind of reaching in and bringing them out of the therapy room as a way to normalize conversations about what happens in therapy. So Amazing. it's a fun time. Yeah, yeah I've listened to the first few episodes and uh, you you two have a good thing going. Like at first I was like a filmmaker. What's You're like, what? this? <laughs> What does yeah. he have to say? But anyway, um, you guys are amazing. Uh, you have Thank a really you. good, a really you. good uh, relationship online, and the sound is really good. Jeremy, you're going to be really quite pleased. Yeah, all right. Thank he's you. a, a sound snob. Like good sound. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Simon is one of my very best friends, and it's his brother, yeah, cool. uh, who's a musician, who does the sound. So, shout out to Sweet. Jordan. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for taking yeah. the time out of your day today. This has been uh, really, really fun. And thank you my, for the incredible work that you do. That's yeah. so nice yeah. to know that someone like you is out there working with the young people and and helping people live happier lives. Listen, I'm on a mission to like get all the therapy work out there. I, there's no reason why it should be stuffed inside of a, ther- a therapy room. So I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you for being here with us every week. We are so grateful to our patrons, uh, without which this podcast would not be possible. Um, thank you so much to our dear friends over on Patreon. You can find us there if you want to support us during these strange and unusual times and moving forward, we've got some merch on there and some other benefits that you can choose from. It's patreon.com slash turn me on. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can email us at turn me on podcast at gmail.com. And that's a great place to send any recommendations you think that we should check out, specifically future guests. We love to deliver what you are asking for. You know, say what you want. Maybe you'll get it. 
you can also rate, review, and subscribe over on um, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean the world to us, and they keep us findable on the charts. Uh, that's it for this week. Until next week, go spend some quality time with yourself. <laughs> <laughs>